even a situation is advertised as queer friendly, it doesn't mean the whole staff is. When you go to the club, when you go to the store, you can maneuver the way you want, but you don't know if someone comes in and doesn't understand you or doesn't respect you. Work. Although there is a renaissance of Black and POC, LGBTQ nightlife in Brooklyn, security at these parties remains an issue of concern. To get an insider's perspective, I spoke with three LGBTQ POC nightlife curators for a closer look at the issue. My name is DJ Rolls Royce, also known as Erica. I'm Tigerpaw. I'm Lego, the La Beja. I've been throwing this party, a queer hip-hop party, for the past six years. I'm a DJ producer, musician, nightlife curator, uh, founder of Fake Accent. It's a platform that I created for uh, queer Caribbean youth. Right now, I am an entertainer. I am an NYC commentator for the NYC ballroom scene, and I am the event producer of OTA Weekly. It's a weekly mini ball that I do at the $3 Bill in Brooklyn. Well, in terms of safety with our community, we've made it a point to kind of have like a statement outside of the club. We talk to the owner, the manager, the bus boys, the bartenders, and then we speak to the security guard. It starts from outside, you know, it starts from the door. I will always approach the security, have a conversation with them and inform them on what, you know, the attendance is going to look like, who is coming to, to the event. I'm pretty heavy on the security only because before I started doing OTA, um, I was a patron, you know, at, at gay spaces, not just balls. And there's usually a disconnect when it comes to how they address queer people. But I think security guards, period, they have this way, and this comes from experience, they have this way of antagonizing you to where you will be the person to throw the first blow. Then putting you into a trap where, okay, now I get to really whoop on you because you fell for the bait. You know, so I usually have a conversation with all of my um, security guards that come, you know, and make sure it's just like, I don't want you to get into any conversation with any patron. I don't care what their situation is. If they're not of age, they cannot come in. You don't need to put me to the front, but I don't need you to explain anything as becomes to the process. You just make sure that they can get in for their age, anything else we handle. So I think also is minimizing that conversation, you know, you're not an ambassador for the event. You're just making sure that by regulations of what your job is, that everything is going through. There was a security guard and his friends were there and they started laughing at uh, these two guys on the line making out. And they were laughing and then somebody saw these guys laughing with the security guard, who's mind you, taking care of my people. I was DJing this person comes up to me and it was like, hey, I just want to tell you blah, blah, blah. This is what happened and I'm like, infuriated me because I'm like, this is, first of all, this was lesbian owned. Hmm. So it's a lesbian owned bar. So then you have your staff laughing at gay people. Like what the hell, like, you, you know, you get paid by people that are queer, you know? And then you're here, you know, laughing at two gay guys kissing because, you know, the blog, you know, it's hot. The next night I was like, spoke to the owner, talked to them, I was like, why are we having your security guards, you know, laughing at our people? So. 
they were reprimanded and end up getting like uh, finding new security guards that are used to being in gay clubs and stuff like that. So three or four years ago with fake accent, when I was doing it at a particular venue, I don't do it. I don't host it my party there anymore. There was an issue with a friend of mine being in transition with the, their ID. So they were like applying for their ID. They didn't, they just had a temporary one. They didn't have the um, their name changed on it. And the, the security kept misgendering them. And so I had to come out and, and you know, like to diffuse and, and, and also reprimand the security for being incredibly insensitive and offensive. You're saying like this is my event and like like what I say goes and and you know this is a friend of mine and their identification is legitimate and you know regardless of like what you think. As all three curators wrapped up their thoughts, I posed a different question. Do we actually need security in LGBTQ spaces? I definitely think we do need them because we sometimes are in venues that allow straight men to come in or cis people. Um, and not only straight men, but there's also been some problematic cis straight women. It's not just a male aggressive thing, also females start and we just don't want that straight gaze. So when you have a security guard and you talk to them and you try to get them to understand, don't allow those kind of people in, it just makes it a little a little safer, I think. If they if they know how your crowd is and they respect us, then it's, it's Gucci, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's tough sometimes. The the security guy is uh, was one person, He and he was really, really chill. He was just like, no, I've never had any issues <laughs> I felt like he was saying like I don't really need to be here you know I've never I've never had, had to deal with any altercations of any kind we really need to try and present him other options when it came to recommendations each nightlife producer emphasized the importance of curation when you walk into the space, make sure that everyone that is a part of your production has spoken to you directly. Don't walk in there feeling like, oh, because I'm the event producer, I'm going to have my assistant speak to say or so-and-so-and-so. No, you need to know who the head of security is that night. You need to know especially who are all the security guards. Make sure that message is given out to those people because at the end of the day, you know, they can go off on the security guard, but people will stop coming to your events if they know they have to deal with said security guard at the front door, you know? So it's more than just feeling fat because you have an event and you have a night in New York City, which is already, you know, an accomplishment in itself. Make sure that you vet your employees. You know what I'm saying? And don't worry about being the bitch. That's necessary if, it, if that's what it needs to be. But considering that no one has a job that night if it wasn't for you saying, hey, I wanna throw a party. So you need to make sure that all the ducks are in the row. So when you're out looking for an event or a venue, you want to be able to know your boundaries and to say, no, this is not what we accept. We want to talk to these people. We want to put this out. We want to do all these things because at the end, a safe party is a great party. I don't want nobody to come into my event and feel scared because we feel like that anyways. So at least maybe four hours out of the night, once a month to feel completely safe and not have to worry about someone else's taking care of that is an amazing feeling. 
work. It seems there are a number of solutions to this issue. When thinking about safety and security, much work is to be done, but it seems like several groups are headed in the right direction. Thanks for listening to this program. I want to give a special thank you to Tiger Paw, DJ Rose Royce, Lego LaBeja, and Lego LaBeja for the track you hear, Block Assembly.